In the book of Exodus chapter 14, where our uh, text will be taken on this morning, uh, this will be probably the longest thing that we do, that is to read this text. Oftentimes when we read this text, at least when, when I've preached this text in the past, I usually stop at verse number 15. Um, on this morning, I just want to read the entirety of the text. And so I'm, I'm encouraging those of you who are willing and able to stand to continue doing so. Uh, but for those of you who, who think that the knees might not be able to handle it, feel free uh, to take your seat discreetly. Don't, don't start a movement. But, but feel, feel free to take your, your seat discreetly and we'll make our way through the reading of this text. That's Exodus chapter 14, reading at verse number one, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now the Lord spake to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pehahirot between Migdal and the sea. Opposite Baal's Zephon, you shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land and the wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now it was told to the king of Egypt that the people had fled and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And, and they said, why have we done this thing that we have let Israel go from serving us? So they made ready his chariots and took his people with him. Also he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with the captains over every single one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued the children of Israel and the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, camping by the sea besides Pehahirat before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. I want you to notice the progression in the text. When Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, say eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them, so they were or became very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in this wilderness? Why? Have you so dealt with us to bring us out up of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better. Let me repeat that one more time. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians 
than that we should die here in this place. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And Moses, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me, Moses? Tell the children of Israel, go forward. I'm in verse number 16. But lift your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground, say dry ground, through the midst of the sea. And indeed, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians that they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and the horsemen. And the angel of God who went before the camp, take note of this, and the angel of the Lord who went before the camp or who went ahead of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from in front of them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus, it was a cloud. Notice this. Thus, it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord God caused the sea to go back by the strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. And I'm almost finished. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground. And the waters were a wall to them on their right and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea. All of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the, of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels so that, they drove, uh, so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariot and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand 
over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked through on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. You may have your seats at this time. Let me, let me, before I even get to my text, say how, how very real this life that we are living in really is. As much as we try to create an environment and a space of safety, of nurturing and care, of love and everything that holds true. The truth is, the space that we are living in, this world, this community, this place, is full and laden with sin. We have to appreciate the fact that one of the places and spaces that is meant to educate, to encourage, to shield and guide the individual from the baby to the silver-haired individual is the place of the assembly of God. And I'm saying that because what, what, what Jose shared with us this morning was real. And as I'm sitting there, for, for those who may not know, Alex has, that's, that's our eight-year-old. She has been uh, in these pews for quite some time now since she's transitioned from grade two and now going into grade three. And as I'm sitting there, she's there with the the bulletin, and of course she's checking through the bulletin, and as he is talking, I, I just leaned over and told her, don't be distracted by being consumed and trying to read the bulletin. I need for you to just sit down and listen for a little bit. Because the reality is, this is a space and this is a place that is meant to encourage, to educate, to guide, and to build. I'm not saying everybody might be comfortable with a lot of what is shared, not just from him, but also from me at times. And 
I, I need for us to understand and appreciate from my standpoint, and I believe I speak for him and many others as well, that sometimes you have to appreciate we can't shy away from saying the tough things. Because if we shy away from saying the tough things, if we shy away from sharing uh, those dark things, if we shy away from doing that, then we do you as well as God a huge disservice. So I hope that you could appreciate that in as much as we might share some heavy and weighty things at times, we do so uh, with an awareness that not everybody is at the same level of maturity. Today, as we make our way into our text, it's a pretty weighty text, to say the least. And as much as I'm going to try to do my best to bring the text out in a way that is full of encouragement, I want us to appreciate that this text not only stands as a means of great exhortation, but it also stands as a means of great warning, a take heed type of text for the people of Israel and certainly for the people of God even on today. The book of Exodus is not just a book of history for the children of Israel. Rather, it becomes a blueprint for how Yahweh, Jehovah God, delivers, directs, and develops faith in the people that he, have, he has called. The Exodus and wilderness experiences will be the two most repeated moments throughout the writings of the Old Testament that we find to date. Yahweh would make sure these would be repeated over and over and over again. Prophets of old, kings, tribal leaders, fathers, and alike will record this crucial moment of the exodus in Israelite history uh, to constantly remind the people of the necessity to continuously put in their trust, faith, confidence, and existence in Jehovah God. They are reminded time and time again to keep walking in step with his ways. They are reminded to keep holding on to his hands. They are reminded and they are, they, they are to remember where they, they once were, but, but not where they are with Yahweh. They, they, they are reminded that they left and they came out from a place that was no good, but where Yahweh was taking them was some place that was better. They recall this crucial time in Israel's history as a means of exhortation as well as warning. That though things may look bad now, though you might feel stuck at times, that while you may see no end in sight or no real way forward, no matter how bleak things look, it's not worth and it's never worth going back to what was rather we need to recognize that we need to continue holding on to the deliverance that Yahweh, Jehovah God, offers to us. So I want to speak to us this morning very quickly and very briefly on the subject I have entitled for this month in the series of Preaching on Be Still. It really ain't better. It really ain't better back there. I, I know that's bad English. I, I, was, I, was, 
I was joking with my Hispanic translators last night. I told them, hey, I know this is poor English. Uh, really, it's translated properly. It's not better um, back there. That's fine. But I, I want to use the poor English. It really ain't better back there. Church, let me start by saying this. A fear that's unchecked becomes an enemy of one's faith. Let me repeat that one more time. A fear that goes unchecked becomes an enemy of one's faith. Why, why do you say that, Brother Morgan? Because at a time when we are supposed to be listening to and for instructions to navigate where we are at, we begin to panic and become blinded to the works and workings of Jehovah if we allow fear to go unchecked. In our own wisdom, in the midst of panic, we strive for the comfort of what was normal. We yearn to go back to the way it used to be because of the discomfort of where we are. Many of the Israelites would have much rather died as slaves in a land that was not their own under a master that never had their best interests at heart rather than die as free people. And it's not that Yahweh brought them to this place so they, that they could die, but they rather died in Egypt being slaves. They rather died in a place uh, that, that, that gave them, them cucumbers and melons. They rather died under the whip because of the fact that where they were now represented discomfort and where they were now represented the unknown. So all because their past slavery seemed better than their present salvation in a time of discomfort, they, many of them had determined it was better for us to have stayed. It was better for us not to have moved. It was better for us not to have gotten out of that space and that place. It was better for us to have stayed in Egypt than for us to be here and die in this wilderness. Here's what they were saying, if you didn't know Tim. Uh, it was better if I died a slave than to die a free man. Because at least as a slave, I, I may not necessarily be free, but at least as a slave, I, I have a spot that I could lay my head. At least as a slave, I, I, I could get a meal, even though it's not the, the most kosher thing in the world, but I still have something to put in my stomach. At least as a slave, I may not be drinking from the same fountain as my masters, but uh, as murky and as dirty as the water is, I still have water to put to my tongue. We, they were willing to accept what the world and the best the world had to offer to them as opposed to going and living in the unknown with a God that took them out of their bondage. But here is what they didn't see, and here is what God is going to use this situation and this circumstance to teach. They, they didn't really know Yahweh yet, and ultimately, when you don't know Yahweh, you become fearful. You, you become panicked whenever you, you find your place in a place of discomfort, and you are challenged. So the response that we see here is not a response that would have been uncommon, because when they didn't know Yahweh, all they've known and all they've seen so far is some miracles happen and, uh, and, and by whatever means they, uh, the Pharaoh and the Egyptians would have let them go. But they didn't know Yahweh. They've seen some of his works. They've seen him do some miracles, but they didn't 
know Yahweh. It's one thing to see the works. It's our next thing to know the hand of the person and the heart of the person that did the works. So we look around and we associate the fact that creation speaks and it declares the handiwork of God. And while that is true, we can look out into creation and know that there is a God. But knowing the God that created what we see is something totally different. And so it's fully expected that when an individual becomes panicked and when a, an individual becomes disillusioned and, uh, and they lose all sense of reasoning because of fear, it's fully understandable is what I'm saying because that the only response to a person who doesn't know Yahweh is fear. And so God would use this instance, God would use the, this moment to strive to build faith, not just in this generation, but it would be a moment that he would use to build faith in future generations as well. But here's what I want us to know. They would have rather died in comfort under slavery than, than, than entertain the thought of pushing forward in the unknown and be challenged. Uh, and isn't that where we are sometimes? Is, is, isn't, isn't it true that sometimes the fear of the unknown, where we are right now is comfortable, where what I'm doing right now is, is the norm to me and is known to me. I'm comfortable where I'm at. And so anytime the thought of me stepping foot outside of this challenges me, no, 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 I can't take that step. But God is going to challenge them and, and he's going to use this moment. But in this moment, the truth is they have... The mentality of thinking that it would have been better for us to have died in Egypt than to be made free and die in the wilderness. The truth is, it's really not better back there. Church, here it is. God's salvation will stretch us sometimes. In order to get us to a place of of real conversion, Yahweh has to lead us to a place where we can have deep conviction. And those usually happen in the challenging, spa challenging spaces and places in our lives. He has to show us that he is the provider. Yahweh has to show us that he is the protector. He has to show us that he is all powerful he he has to show us that he has our backs he has to show us that he is all in all he has to reveal himself unto us but we have to be attentive to see the revelation of who he is and so watch this in our text really quickly and the exhortation will be yours notice in the text God brings them to a place where physically there seems to be no way forward. And ultimately, there seems to be no real way back. Because ahead of them, he brings them to a place where there is a body of water and it would not have been feasible to try to cross because it's not just people who possibly could have sw um, swim, swam, swim, swam. You have adults, you have teenagers, but also you have some some little babies and toddlers in the midst. And, and, and I, want, I want us to understand as I was thinking about what, what Jose was saying, a need for us to see the danger. A need for us to see the predicament. 
a need for us to appreciate the reality of where they are. They are babies, they are toddlers, they are young ones in the midst. And I guarantee you, because of the impending danger, they weren't thinking, oh no, this is too much for my kids. They were thinking, we need to get out of here because of the kids. So God brings them to a space to understand that this world has, has no type of, of, of sympathy whatsoever. Whether you are an, an older person or whether you are a baby, this world, the darkness of this world doesn't care about your age. Could I say this? This world church doesn't care about our kids. For the most part, the school system, as, as, as much as we are blessed to put our, our kids in the school system, it's so important that you choose the right school to put your kids in if, in fact, you put them in school. I'm, I'm so grateful that we have individuals here who have the wherewithal to do homeschooling because I, I, I'm telling you, this world does not care about what actually is going into the minds of our kids. And it's becoming more and more apparent if... If, if we're wearing blinders to this, I need for us to wake up. It's becoming more and more apparent that it's not just in the world, it's also in churches. Churches are embracing these type of things and it's, it's making its way into churches. And I need for us to understand, gone are the days when, yes, we're supposed to be people of love and we're supposed to be people of unity and we're supposed to be people of fellowship, but understand that not everybody who wears the name Christian is a Christian. I, I need to be real because not every person that has a sign that says church is the church that really meets there. I need for us to understand, it's not just the title, it's not just the hashtag, it's what's be, being believed and taught. So this became real for everybody really quick. That every single person was under threat of life and attack. Every single individual, those who were yet to be born and those who were born into it, they, they were, there was a serious threat of attack that Pharaoh and his army is on his way to do one of two things. He's either coming here to wipe us out or he is coming there, coming here to take us back. And even though they know that that's the thing, they are thinking, well, there's no way forward. So Moses, what are we going to do? Because if we stand in opposition to Pharaoh, he'll probably kill us. But if we submit and we, and we throw the white flag, he'll probably take us back. Which is easier sometimes. To stand on truth and let people crucify you and call you bigot and all this kind of stuff. And do it in love, by the way. But they'll still call you bigot regardless of the fact that you're speaking it in love. They'll still call you names in spite of the fact that they know your character is not a hate on anybody. They, they'll still speak ill of you even when they know what you're speaking is from God's word. Which do you think is going to be easier for us to accomplish time and time again? To stand on truth or to wave the white flag and just do it like everybody else? So the people start to cry. But here's what I want us to appreciate sometimes. Sometimes in our crying, our crying could easily be transformed and turned into complaints. We need to learn that there's a subtle difference. If we're not careful, they cried out to God. But in as, as no, no sooner did they cry out to God, now they're complaining to Moses. Isn't this what we told you, Moses? You, you know how we do sometimes? We're crying on one side. We're, we're pleading on one side, but we're complaining in the next. We have left and right side of the brains. On one side of the brain, we're crying out to God. And on the other side of the brain, we're complaining about our lives. So we have to be so careful that in our crying, our crying doesn't necessarily turn into complaining because the complaint, the complaint overrides the cry. 
Because the complaints and the intensity of the complaints start to show what's truly going on in our hearts. Are you trusting in this moment? Or have you lost all sense of faith and reasoning? You could tell a lot about a person. This is what they told me. I don't know. But you could tell a lot about a person and, and where their heart is based on their spending habits. Let me see if I could find an accountant. They, they tell me you could tell where a person puts their interests based on their spending habits and spending patterns. You could tell a lot about a person's faith based on the things that constantly come up out of their mouths. Have you ever been around a person that all they do is complain all the time? Have you ever been around a person that everybody else is always the problem but never them? Have you ever been around individuals who always see the dark in everything and everywhere but never see even the, the smallest streak of light? Have you ever seen or heard an individual who it's always doom and gloom? We call those individuals pessimists, by the way. Have you ever encountered a pessimist? Uh, I, I'll tell you sometimes that the pessimist is you and me. Uh, because we, we get to places in life where all we see is dark, all we see is doom, and we could never really see the working and the works of Almighty God. We're good seeing the pessimism in everybody else. We're, we're very rarely able to see the pessimism in our own existence. So here is what Jesus said when he was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Don't be quick to point out the speck in anybody else's eye when there is a, a huge plan going in your own. What are you trying to teach? I'm trying to teach you Israelites. I'm trying to teach you brethren. I'm trying to teach the believers that it ain't better back there. Watch this, watch this, watch this. The cries in verse 10 of the people have turned to complaints in verse 11 and 12 because of what seems like potential of death and destruction. But what Moses says to the people is also an echo for us today. In verse 13 and 14, I'm, I'm going to do this really quick. I, if you could see my page, you would, you would know I'm, I'm almost done. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see them no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Here is what Moses tells the people. Moses tells the people, calm yourselves. Moses tells the people, calm down. Do not be afraid. Then he tells the people, and here, here is what I want us to notice. When, when he says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, those are two commands that Moses gives. These, these aren't suggestions. These are imperative statements that God reveals to Moses and Moses reveals to the people. If you want to see God's salvation, there is something that is imperative for you and I to do. If we want to see God's working, if we want to see God reveal himself as a person in his existence and his being, there is something that is important for you and I to do. Moses says, stand still. In other words, catch yourself. Stop 
fidgeting, stop moving, quiet the, the, the voices around, quiet yourself, stand still. It, it, it's, it's almost a likened, though it's not explicitly stated, stated this way, but it's almost a likened to when a commander and chief would say, Attention! I promise you, if all of us here were soldiers and we had the commander in chief that told us to stand right now and we started moving around, and the minute you heard the commander in chief or whoever the person in authority would say, Attention! You would hear every single boot click together. Boom. He says, stand still. Stop the complaining for a little bit. Stop the panic for a little bit. Stop the gossip for a little bit. Stop the everything for a little bit. And I just want you to stand still. And when, 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 I, when I was growing up in, in school, when I was growing up in school, the teachers used to say this, when you, when you come into class and the teacher or somebody that is of authority walks in, you need to be ready to receive. What do you mean by that when you, when you say ready to receive? You need to be sitting up properly so your posture is important. You need to have your materials ready because you never know what nuggets you might find and what areas of learning that is there for you. But also, your attention and your focus needs to be directed at the person that is going to give the instructions. So God says to Moses, and Moses says to the people, I need for you to be ready. Say, be ready. I need for you to be at attention. Say, be at attention. I need for you to stand still, gather yourself because the only way I want you to be able to observe it is you have to be ready to see what God is about to do. The reason why I, and this isn't me, this, is, this isn't going to happen often, but I'm just using this as an a, 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 a illustration. The reason why I had to tell my, 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 my daughter, listen, I, I don't just want you to, to open your ear because it's easy for us to say, well, no, 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 I was doing something, but I was listening to what you were saying. No, 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 I, I need for you to understand it's not just the thing that is going to be heard, but it's also the thing that I want you to observe. Because in, in, in order to truly communicate, it's not just what's being said, but how it's being communicated physically as well, too, through the eyes, through the senses. I want you, he says, to observe. Because in the observation you are going to make with your eyes, I'm trying to retrain your eyes to not only see things that make you fearful. I'm also trying to help your eyes and train your eyes to see the workings of God behind the scenes. It's because of our eyes that oftentimes fear raises up. When they saw the Egyptians, they became fearful. God says, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to train your confidence, I'm going to train your spirit, but I'm going to do it through your eyes. So he says, stand still and witness. Stand still and observe. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. It's not just what God is doing, but God is revealing something to you about who he is in the doing. I don't know if you're getting this, but I need to be done. It's not just the fact that he, he blessed you when you didn't have food in your cupboard. 
it's not just the fact that he, he, he gave you a little bit more health when the, when the doctors had given you a bad medical report. It's not just the fact that he, he, he kept you safe uh, you know, in a, in, on the highway when you could have died in an accident. It's not just the fact that he's working these little things out. But more than that, it's him showing you who he is to you. The only way, let me close by saying this, the only way you could recognize God as a provider is when you know that you need it providing for. The only way you could recognize God as truly your healer is when you were sick and you needed healing. The only way you can know him as your shepherd is when he has led you through some things. Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I shall fear no evil. Why? Because he is with me. I'm trying to get you to become faithful and not be overwhelmed in fear. So he says, the only way I could teach you to have an intimate relationship with me by seeing who I am beyond just the physical things is by me revealing to you who I truly am. I am the God of heaven. I am the one who created the seas. I am the one who created the wilderness. I am the one who gives and who takes away. I am the one who provides. I am the one who sustains. I am the I am of everything and everyone. I am the Jehovah God of you all. But the minute church we allow fear to have its way in our lives, that's when our faith never really gets to a place of maturity. God was about to reveal his person through a timely detailed display of his power. God was about to show them who fights for them. God was about to show them who fights with them. And I have news for us even on today. God is still revealing himself to us even today. God is revealing himself. He, he wants us to see and to recognize who is fighting for us. He, he also wants us to see and to recognize who is fighting with us. This time God is going to fight their battles for them. There's going to come a time when they're going to have to lift the sword. And so he wants them to recognize I'm the God that has gone on before you and I'm the God that is going to stand with you. I just want you to keep pressing forward and know that in your pressing forward I have your back. Do you know how good it feels church to know that somebody has your back? I just want to conclude to keep Pressing forward. Keep pushing forward. Keep pressing towards the mark of the high calling in Jesus Christ. Because the truth is, if I have to be honest, it doesn't matter how difficult here is. It doesn't matter how hard it is. It doesn't matter how bleak it looks. The truth is, it's really, really, really never truly better back there. Would you stand with me as together we sing our song of invitation? Church, I encourage every single person here under the sound of my voice to keep trusting God in spite of and keep trusting God because of. We, we trust him in spite of what we're going through, but we trust him because of who he is. I want to encourage every single one of you, if you have a prayer request this morning, to please come forward and let it be known as together we sing our song of invitation.